Okay, welcome to the Trajectory Podcast. My name is Ed. And I'm Jacob. And today we're with Simon from PwC. Uh, So perhaps we'll begin by Simon telling us a bit about what you do here and and what your role is at PwC. Of course, and thanks for the opportunity. Um, I'm a director in economics and policy at PwC, uh, and I've been so for approximately three years. My focus is fiscal policy and commercialization. Uh, and I work with both government and non-government and private sector clients around providing that type of uh, advice. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Is this um, career path always what you had in mind from, from school onwards? Uh, far from it. So I've always known what I didn't want to do, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, 20 years into my career, I'm finding I'm doing what I do want to do. So yeah. it's been by deduction that I've arrived here and... It's only been in recent times I've realised this is actually what I like doing and it's because I've made sure I know what I don't want to do as well. Mm. Mm. And what is it that you always knew you didn't want to want to do? Um, a lot of it was around just traditional pathways. So did I want to be um, a merchant banker? That probably didn't appeal to me. I went through law school and it was very obvious to me, to me early on that uh, simply applying the law all the time was probably not uh, going to make me happy. Whilst I respected both professions, the human and creative side wasn't as apparent. Uh, so, And that's one of the reasons I've transitioned between both public and private sector over a 20-plus year career and feel I'm quite multilingual, mm. where in the private sector side where you see a lot of those disciplines, it often is about uh, revenue mm-hmm. and those types of outcomes. Uh, the public sector can often give you uh, a few more inputs and outputs that don't just involve money. But mm-hmm. that said, I do enjoy both sides. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned following a unique pathway. Mm. You know, what, what has been your pathway to where you are? So mine has been very untraditional. I have uh, really just done a random walk and, and enjoyed it most of the time. Um, when I finished high school, I, I didn't go straight to university. I knew I had to have some broader experiences. Mm-hmm. And I went and jackarooed for a year mm-hmm. and just went out and spent time working on farms, um, uh, you know, driving tractors, uh, making sure there was food on the table for the farm and, uh, and those types of lived practical experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I quickly realised there was other things I wanted to do and, and I went and did a diploma in business management and secured a role with a multinational in Switzerland and spent a year in Europe working there. Uh, that really opened my eyes in realising there is a great big wide world out there. And interestingly enough, when I came home, whilst it was wonderful to come home and, and realise that Australia is a great country, not a lot had changed in that year. Uh, and it also focused me on, um, again, what I didn't want to do and what I did want to do. So there I spent time and and did a law degree. Um, And from that law degree went and and went into the workforce for uh, 10, 15 years uh, before doing a master's in financial management at ANU. And uh, it was at that point I realised that fiscal policy and commercialisation really (laughs) were the things I was good at and rewarded for. um, And I did enjoy them. Excellent. That's good. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So on that, I suppose, you know, you did a very specialised set of degrees in mm-hmm. a very, you know, sort of contained field. You know, Jacob and I both do law commerce. It's 
it's pretty intense law, accounting, mm. finance. Mm. Um, you know, did you did you find your interests outside of those subjects were similar or were they different? Um, yeah. You're exactly right. Those subjects are intensive. You really have to live a law degree mm. and you have to live doing your master's in an economic-based mm. discipline. Mm. Uh, it is like a job. Uh, and I found very quickly that I couldn't just focus only on that, is that it would be almost um, a diminishing return proposition. Mm. So. I made sure I was always reading either philosophy or literature at the same time to keep the other side of my brain working. Mm -hmm. And that's been something that I have pursued as part of uh, who I am is the degree is a discipline. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's really important to create your own lifestyle that means that you have that balance both mentally, emotionally. Mm -hmm. And, and really do understand the environment and the world you live in, including the human condition. Right. So you can practice. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think people sometimes forget that. Mm. You, are, you have a skill that you want to deploy in the world. It's not a skill that you uh, impose on, yeah. on others in a binary fashion. Right, yeah. And you think um, that here at PwC, that sort of mindset like has been accommodated for generally like do you think that absolutely as long as that? you can show that that mindset um can be applied in practice mm -hmm. which is really important in, in work that's done here is there's one thing to say oh we think you should actually be doing this mm. there's another thing to say by the way we think you're probably here mm. and most importantly we understand how to make the transition Right. between point A and B. Mm. I think too often and too regularly uh, advisors, practitioners, people mm. have an opinion on point B mm -hmm. and they're not hard to have. Mm. Yeah. Mm. They become hard when you then have to say, well, where am I now and do an objective diagnosis? Mm. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, I think there's even fewer who have... Uh, mastered the art of saying, well, how do we literally transition between those two points to change? Mm. Uh, and that's what I think the holistic approach is, which is uh, supported in an organisation like this with the mission statement being uh, building trust in society and solving important problems. Right. Yeah. And this is a methodology that can be applied to that. Mm. But it does involve making sure you understand society. It yeah. does involve making sure you understand what the important problems are mm -hmm. and have empathy and put yourself in other people's shoes, mm -hmm. not just being opinionated because yeah. you have one or two degrees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. I think we should break that down, mm. what you said. So um, people have opinions on point B. Mm. We're not great um, at finding out where we are, where's, where's point A, and we're even less effective at managing the transition to where we want to get. Um, what sort of skills do you think are necessary to maybe first identifying where we are um, and how do you think you develop them, you know, whether it was at school or university or um, even early into your career? Um, that's probably yeah. a good place to... Yeah. Important question. I think the skill and the art of defining where you are now is being um, lost to a degree and is not as easy to pick up because there are so many influences telling you where you are now. Mm. And if you stress tested a lot of those influences, you would probably find that they're partisan. Mm. 
and they're being they're influencing you for other people's reasons so the art of understanding and diagnosing where you are now probably comes from not living from hand to mouth Uh, being that the current opinions or the current trends Mm -hmm. it's being able to draw on broader principles broader trends and say there's some patterns here Mm. we're probably here Um, that doesn't always sit comfortably it makes you reflect and you go you know what we are probably here and if I want to change I need to be objective about that to change if I don't want to change you don't have to self-diagnose or an organization doesn't need to diagnose but in order to diagnose I think you can't be living hand-to-mouth right you need to be drawing on principles and if we go to the topic we talked about before um, it's what are some of the philosophies that have have worked over time Um, literature itself um, uh, is storytelling there are themes in storytelling and literature that um, is in the classics and the like that is uh, continues to be read and referenced obviously have enduring themes yeah so it's like having a conversation with someone who was successful 100 150 200 years ago you continue those conversations and all of a sudden you see simple themes and principles that Mm. can be applied Mm -hmm. and importantly define the human condition which is important as well right right Um, I suppose one thing that's been in our conversations a lot recently has been um, consuming media and consuming what kinds of media. So, for example, we tend not to read the newspaper. Um, We tend to... We live in a world where there's a lot of social media influences trying to shape the way of how we think. Mm. Um, Do you think that's played into this sort of hand-to-mouth type... Um, Absolutely, Uh, but it's not a negative. So if I can draw on another experience, the first job I had to put a suit on, I worked at Seven Network headquarters um, in Sydney. And as a young lawyer, I used to walk in and when I was on duty that night, I'd have to go in and decide whether news stories could go to air and current affairs could go to air in their current form. And we used to have a mantra that um, news is news and it's not current affairs. So current affairs was often entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, It drew an audience Mm -hmm. where news was meant to be fairly factual. Mm. Now this was a long time ago. This was before social media. So if we use the same principles, I think what's happened is current affairs has morphed into social media and we are being entertained. Mm -hmm. We are being given what we want Mm to feel certain ways Mm -hmm. and what's happened is that is not necessarily factual news right um that's not a good or a bad thing you just need to be aware of it yeah for sure yeah do you think people are aware of it on the whole i think only if they have a life event or a set of circumstances that cause them to reflect on where are they now right right and i don't think that help happens as regularly as it used to Mm. Mm. so i suppose we have to wait for elections like on the weekend for people to <laughs> well i think that's an interesting case isn't yeah. it i think no one really saw that coming even the mm. prime minister um and, and there's a little bit of of point b everyone has aspirations yes. and ideas about where you should be but i think few people diagnose where are we now and even yeah. fewer worked out how to transition between the two yeah uh, i think that is a a really relevant current uh yeah. case in point right yeah, yeah. Well, fantastic so 
Yeah. So yeah. you're talking about like the um, so would you're implementing the change? Mm. Um, so would you think that um, your work in both um, PwC as well as in the government department helps you like, for example, brings out that uh, fulfillment in you? Um, is that something that you uh, is is that where you're calling? Yes. Uh, absolutely, um, and they're, they're the things I've worked out I like doing. Mm. So. PwC gives me the environment to practice what we've just discussed. Um, of course, there are boundaries, mm. uh, but that environment is provided, and uh, that's an incredibly healthy environment. There's a lot of self-determination. As long as you meet certain criteria, mm. then go forth and practice those ideas. Yeah. If they're successful, keep doing them. If they're not, adjust. Mm. Um, in the public service, I spent 10 years in Department of Finance um, before I was uh, before that, I was in Sydney doing mergers and acquisitions work. But mm. I planned to be there for six months, and I ended up being there for 10 years and six months because it was just so rich. Right. Seeing in a central government agency, seeing 360 degrees of what's happening mm. at a federal level is nothing short of a privilege, and being able to influence that. Mm. And, and most recently, um, being asked uh, to be the finance minister's um, senior budget advisor on fiscal policy mm. for the 2019-20 the budget, again, was just a reinforcement that the non-traditional approach seems to be working, uh, mm. especially when you're advising the senior fiscal policy officer in the country right, yeah. and you are, are someone who practices fiscal policy. Mm. So I think the, the proof is in, yeah. in the practice. Yeah. Right, right. So... Um, similar question to before, you know, what sort of skills do you really need to hone early in your life or, or in your degree to be able to manage the transition component um, of, of problem solving, I suppose is, is where we're at. Um, I think you really have to commit to understanding um, more broadly mm. what influences people. Right. Mm. I think em empathy cannot be underrated. Mm. I think... Um, over time, an observation is that empathy is less valued. Um, and I'm not just talking about empathy for moral causes, I'm talking about empathy for people. Right. Um, and those types of elements, those, are, those and everyone has this skill set, but focusing to the exclusion of this simply on I'm going to get straight A's in a law degree or I'm going to get honours in my Masters of Financial Management to the exclusion of these other skills, mm. I think can result in it being quite difficult to practice yep. what the technical skills you have learnt mm -hmm. and most importantly implement them. Right. Okay. I think at a minimum you'd be able to always say what point B might need to be, what the mm. future might need to be, but that's mm. not always that hard. Right. But without drawing on broader backgrounds and broader experiences, I think it's very hard to define point A and I think it's where are we now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's virtually impossible to, to advise on how to transition because mm -hmm. uh, there's a lack of understanding and empathy of what people's current circumstances are that aren't yours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You said something interesting there about empathy being a skill. Mm. You know, do you think... Um, people can train to be more empathetic? Is that a, a skill that you can practice? I think every human characteristic, and without getting too philosophical, everything that makes the human condition, the inputs to the human conditions, are like muscles. If you don't use them, you, don't, you, you lose them. Mm -hmm. 
And I think people can get too focused on saying, I'm going to be a brilliant lawyer to the exclusion of everything else, or I'm going to be a brilliant economist to the exclusion of everything else. Well, if if you and you might have a gift at logic and law and you might have a gift at economics but that probably means you probably don't have a gift at empathy so let's work hard on that and if we use sporting analogies um, it's not always the most gifted individual that wins um, you know the women's netball or uh, the like it's it's often a mix of a bit of talent and a lot of hard work and I think that has to be applied as well Interesting. So you mentioned that um, philosophy was important in sort of learning um, how to apply your technical skills, perhaps. Um, For you personally, what's been your journey in philosophy and and learning how to um, find point A, how to transition to point B? Yeah. So it's been a mix between philosophy, which is the obviously the theoretical side of it, mm. but then literature helps create the stories around yes. the philosophies. Yeah, right. And it's often those great writers who had a f- philosophical view that created stories around philosophy, because mm. philosophy is pretty dry on its own. Right. So some of my great influences were the likes mm. of, obviously, I really enjoyed reading Plato. I really enjoyed right. reading Nietzsche, Hermann Hesse, right. Simone de Beauvoir, Albert Camus. Jean-Paul Sartre, great philosophers and proven philosophers in an intellectual uh, way. Mm. But then you mix that with people like Herman Melville and Moby Dick, one of the great stories of all time that captures the human condition. Mm. Um, William Faulkner, uh, Ernest Hemingway, Mm. uh, and coming closer to Australia, Patrick White. We're talking about a lot of people who've been recognised for Nobel Prizes and the like, that Mm. they're good at this the same way if you're recognised as being a top lawyer or economist. So again, drawing on some of those um, stories and thoughts Mm. is not living hand to mouth. Uh, Others there, Jeanette Winterson, a brilliant author, uh, and Paul Oster. Mm. You begin to move from into understanding concepts that Mm. go back many, many years, sometimes hundreds of years, As opposed, and there's nothing wrong being caught up in the here and now of, mm. of hand to mouth, but mm. there's a balance. There's a balance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, do you have a suggestion where, you know, someone first year university, they're about to embark on a commerce finance degree, you know, what, where would you recommend they begin when it comes to, to learning those, those skills from those ancient authors to the modern authors yeah Yeah. it's a really important question i i never enjoyed reading but i became used to it because i enjoyed the output so i'm not saying that i'm someone who just loved reading and wasn't and i learned very quickly that what you do is just find a book or a text in the category that interests you and if they're good they will reference the other authors and all of a sudden it's self-fulfilling so it's about doing what's right for you once you've committed to I want to take this approach Mm. then tailor it to what you like so uh, again to some of my opening comments work out what you don't like and all of a sudden the things you do like Mm. create a path and all the authors I've read out there I didn't find overnight I I found through reading other authors right Um, and again you know the act of reading itself is tedious but Mm. when the information is rich it becomes a discussion Mm. Mm. fantastic yeah so, yeah, you mentioned you loved reading. So do you think um, 
yeah, I just we we're just wondering how would what you read challenge your ideas and your beliefs, and also, um, do you think going on does an organisation like PwC help you realise like always challenging and learning, and learning about new things? Good comparison. I think reading helps you reinforce uh, your own belief systems and your own philosophies and helps you dispel myths. It also helps you broaden your own thinking and philosophies to, to other ideas. Mm. PwC takes the same approach. Again, building trust in society and solving important problems being the mission statement globally. Mm. To be able to achieve that, mm. you need to take that constant approach to having broader uh, historical principles that can be applied, mm. learning from success, understanding failure, and that allows you to do that. Where are we now? How do we transition to where we've identified? It's the lived experience, right. and this environment does support that. Mm. That's good. Do you find that um, your co-workers uh, and, and um, the people around you are also interested in, in literature? Um, in that sense? Yes. Look, there's, what I'm talking about here would not be a foreign theme to most people here because most people here to be successful aren't just general practitioners. Mm. They have to solve important problems mm. and build trust. And I don't think you can build trust in society if you can't have empathy. Right. And I don't think you can solve important problems if you don't know how to diagnose where you are now mm. and how to solve that important problem mm. being what's the implementation path, mm -hmm. and implementation means practically can be done, mm -hmm. and um, how do you affect change? Because mm. change is really hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we've talked a lot about books. <laughs> so perhaps we'll move on to other people perhaps you mm. learn from or inspire you um, and and perhaps dig into what sort of lessons you've, you've garnered from them. So perhaps begin with um, maybe someone uh, who you followed, um, who has taught you something about yourself or, or how the world works. Um, of course. Yeah. So maybe in a couple of categories, I think the thing that started me reading, and I started reading early, uh, later in life than mm -hmm. I wasn't doing it all the way through school very diligently, um, but someone like Edward de Bono, mm -hmm. who challenges creative thinking, right. that's really what got me started. And Edward de Bono, I think I look back on it as someone who endorsed the fact that you can think more broadly. Right. It's not mm -hmm. linear. Mm -hmm. um, moving away from, from books, uh, someone like Richard Branson just shows how in life mm -hmm. As long as you know where you are and roughly where you want to go, mm. implementation is key. Right. right. And I think he's a great example of how that works. Um, mm. Others is, um, look, when I was younger, I was involved in, in rowing and watching uh, state and Olympic rowers, just watching how they succeed mm. and uh, the commitment mm -hmm. and the discipline. I think discipline is really important in this right. day and age. Mm. Um, I don't want to sound too old-fashioned, but I think sometimes people don't realise the discipline that's involved in achieving. It's not just a day or a week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes years. Mm -hmm. And those who are successful are consistently disciplined. Mm -hmm. um, so watching uh, people 
who I knew winning gold medals or mm. being successful and just going, wow, you know, that is incredible watching what you've achieved, but understanding mm. what you've done to achieve that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, standing on the podium or being successful is usually just the end bit. Mm. Uh, but the, the things they put in place to create those outcomes are quite incredible. Mm. Mm. So that discipline is really important when it comes to problem solving and, and finding the path to that transition and sticking with it, I imagine, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a key factor. Mm. And I think a lot of people ask, well, why haven't I been successful or why haven't I got this outcome or, mm. um, but that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And that's really important, mm. but you need to understand what's involved in getting that. Mm. And you may not be prepared to pay that price. You'd rather pay a different price. Mm. But that's all about implementation, isn't it? Right. Where do you actually want to be? Yeah. Um, and, and that's, well, if you want to be all the way over here, mm. which is an ex- extreme point, but you haven't worked out where you are now, you don't know what the distance is. And you might want to narrow that distance once you know where you are now yeah. because the implementation path or the step is more achievable. Mm. Yeah. So do you think it's important to um, approach these these problems where you might not be certain where you are or what the solution is towards reaching what you want to sort of break that down and take it one step at a time and, and be able to be disciplined in your um, approach that in that way? Yeah, and because the there's the other elements aspiration. So everyone has aspirations, which is point B without a point A. You then apply the discipline to say, well, where is, where am I now? And it's like, wow, that's a big gap. Mm-hmm. Am I capable and prepared to do the implementation path that involves all this discipline? Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to be realistic and say, I'm going to move point B closer to me so there's more chance of me achieving that outcome. Yeah. Uh, and the level of discipline required is what I'm prepared to sign up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not meant to be, discipline's not meant to be a, a, self-harm exercise it's meant to be how much effort can i put into achieving this whilst doing other things right right yeah and that links into what you've said about finding what you don't want to do yeah finding in turn what you might want to do and then pursuing that with discipline absolutely you might say well the discipline involved in making that transition from point a to point b my aspiration i actually am not prepared to do that at the moment. So you know you don't want to do it. So what are you prepared to do mm. based on what you're not to pre- prepared to do? And there's the answer. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah. Going on along that, would you say goal setting um, and defining what you want to achieve to be very important um, so far in your career and just, yeah, trying to work out what you want to do and setting goals to achieve that? Yes, I, I do. I think it is important, but... I also think it's really important not to quickly pigeonhole yourself. So whilst it's important to have some specific goals, I think some general philosophies are just as important. Mm -hmm. As in, I believe in this and I want to head in this direction, as opposed to I've got to get this specific outcome to the exclusion of all others. And I think that manifests in keeping your options open. And I remember when I was younger, one of my philosophies was I just need to keep all my options open Mm -hmm. until I need to make a choice and shut one path down. But until I need to make that choice, Mm -hmm. it's like a call option. Mm -hmm. Why would you make a call option before you had to? Right, right. Do you read Nissim Taleb, actually? Have you 
no, well, that's very similar to <laughs> what there you, go. you would say. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. I think it's important, um, you know, as a, as a university student who likes reading literature, mm. like to to see someone like yourself, um, you know, clearly doing what you want to be doing. Mm. Um, you're setting yourself goals. You're disciplined. Um, I think it's really, really good to see, you know, what I read come to surface. And I think um, that... The people that listen to this podcast will really get a lot out of that. Um, yeah, so I suppose we're running low on time. So we're going to uh, maybe just through a few more questions about yeah. what we've sort of touched on. So I suppose when it comes to um, people that have inspired you, um, you know, Richard Branson, um, how important do you think it's been to have role models like that? Um, to sort of mark yourself against. Do you find that you did have role models moving through university that you used to, you know, have the milestone, like who am I, who am I uh, aspiring to emulate? Um, or, or was it more self-driven? I think there needs to be a healthy mix because mm. having idols doesn't always end well. Mm. Uh, and there's that old saying that never meet your idol whether they're an author a sports player or anyone else because often the behaviors that are that are there aren't always conducive to what the output is so don't judge an artist by the way they behave or the like so i think it's really good to aspire to certain behaviors Mm -hmm. and traits and characteristics Mm -hmm. i think you put unnecessary pressure on the individual by saying i want to be them Mm -hmm. because i think you need to be yourself Right. And that's where I think you create that sense of self and you identify characteristics manifested in others Mm -hmm. because you're seeing them implement. Right. But implementing doesn't mean you have to be them Mm. because by definition, if you're not yourself, it's not going to work. Right. So I think a lot of effort's got to go into who am I? What do I stand for? Mm. What are my principles? How would I react in these situations? Right. Because I think sense of self is a precondition yeah. to being able to influence and implement and diagnose. Right. Otherwise, you don't have an anchor point. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So I suppose we can wrap it up there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So just finally, mm-hmm. so a lot of our listeners will be mainly uh, students mm-hmm. who are about to graduate. So what would you say one advice would, um, what your one piece of advice will be to both students who mm. are looking to get into places like PwC, what would you say to them? So the two elements. The first one is you obviously need to have the discipline to say that I've done well at my course, mm. but that's not the be on all end wall, but to show that you can um, apply, deliver mm. uh, and achieve. But equally, if not more, you need to show who you are what you stand for and how you intend to operate in the world. Because without the latter, the former is not that useful. So uh, look, I was never a brilliant student, but I worked hard at it. But I think where I really spent a lot of time was making sure I knew who I was, I knew what I wanted to do. And look, the firm is very strong about not only the brand that is PwC globally, but they're incredibly strong about making sure you have your own brand. And I couldn't emphasize that enough in life. Have your own brand that you stand by, then the skills you've learned to practice that many, many other people have too can be differentiated.
Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank yeah, you both. Thank you so much. That yeah. was great. Thank you for awesome. the opportunity. Cool. Cool.